Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com. It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best-of-the-best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. Today is Monday, October 2nd. Coming up, more than 200 people are waiting months in Missouri jails to be transferred to a state hospital, even though they haven't been convicted of a crime. But first, our weekly look at top state government and politics stories on both sides of the state line. Evergy will change its pricing structure in Missouri this month under an order from Missouri's Public Service Commission. In most of the new plans, electricity will cost more during peak hours in the afternoon and evening and cost less at night. Evergy executive Chuck Kaisley says the best plan for each household will depend on your lifestyle. If you're aware of when you use electricity and you can avoid or reduce using some electricity from 4 to 8 p.m. in the summertime, uh, you can have real savings. According to Evergy's website, customers who don't opt in to one of four plans will be enrolled in the default. The U.S. Department of Agriculture is changing a rule to try to get more free meals to students in schools. But as St. Louis Public Radio's Kate Grumke reports, not all districts will sign up. The USDA changed a rule to allow more high-need schools to qualify for free meals for all students. The St. James School District in Missouri is one that didn't qualify before, but might now. Superintendent Tim Webster says his district will have to take a hard look at the numbers. We're very thankful that the USDA would drop that threshold uh, because that's a great thing uh, for our students. But at the same time, we have to make sure that it financially makes sense for the district to still not lose money. Webster says after the pandemic, when students had to start paying for meals again, the district saw a rise in meal debt. That will be part of the financial calculus. Kansas lawmakers are trying again to remove the grace period that allows ballots to be counted if they arrive after Election Day. Kansas is one of more than a dozen states that will count a mail ballot after Election Day so long as it's postmarked on or before the election. Former Republican State Representative Keith Esau helped create the grace period in Kansas. Now, he wants it gone. The reason for for removing this is also to increase confidence in voting. We have people who do not like seeing the counts change radically uh, after uh, the election night. Opponents of the change say the grace period helps people in rural areas vote. Mail in rural Kansas can leave the state to be processed before it's sent to an elections office. We'll be back with more of Kansas City Today after this. Missourians who are arrested, deemed unfit to stand trial, and ordered into mental health treatment wait in jail for an average of eight months. And it used to be even longer. KCUR's Nomeen Ujiadeen talked to Clara Bates with the Missouri Independent about why people who haven't been convicted of a crime are sitting in custody for so long without access to the services they need. So why are wait times so long for mental health care in Missouri jails? 
The Missouri Department of Mental Health has said that they've been struggling for years with staffing the mental health hospitals that the people who are waiting in jails are ordered to receive treatment at. So the um, Fulton State Hospital, for example, in Fulton uh, State-run psychiatric hospital has um, had really significant staffing issues and they've just been able to reopen a ward there because they have improved staffing a bit, but um, basically they've been struggling with that for a while. It also follows just um, a historic trend in the 90s of moving away from kind of institutionalization. So a lot of state-run psychiatric hospital beds nationally um, sort of at the end of the last century had been closed and now um, it's hard for people who are ordered to get um, treatment in order to stand trial. It can be difficult for the state to find anywhere to put them for treatment. So how exactly is this process supposed to work? How quickly are people supposed to be getting this mental health treatment? So essentially the situation is um, Missourians who are arrested and then deemed unfit to stand trial are ordered into mental health treatment. So that's the population we're talking about pre-trial. They're ordered um, to get treatment, which might include things like prescription drugs, um, other sorts of mental health treatment that would enable them to be kind of at the competency level to understand what's happening um, when they're on trial. So it's a little, it, it depends um, what you say it's supposed to be. There have been lawsuits nationally against this issue um, saying that it's a violation of due process to be waiting in jail. Again, before you're convicted of any crime, you've just been arrested. Um, sometimes they wait in jail for longer than they would actually serve if they had been convicted. Um, that's been reported nationally, say, if you're arrested for shoplifting and then you wait in jail for competency restoration, which means the mental health treatment to be able to stand trial. You might wait in jail for a year and and that's longer than it would have been. So um, nationally, there have been lawsuits. One in 2003 said the limit should be just a week, but it's varied. And again, it's not just a Missouri problem. Um, in other states, there have also been reports of these months-long waits, but um Here in Missouri, I think it was 11 months. This summer was the average wait time, and now it's around eight months. And you also have to remember, even to get the order, the court-ordered mental health services can sometimes take months as well. So then you could be looking at a year or more. So in your story, you say that Missouri actually considers this long wait time an improvement from the past. Why is that? Yeah, so over the summer, it had been 11 months um, and is now eight. The reason that they gave on the call, which was the kind of focus on the story I wrote, a mental health commission call a few weeks ago, the reason they gave was that they had moderately improved staffing levels at the big state psychiatric hospital in Fulton. Um, but they said a lot of those staff are part-time and there's still a lot of turnover. Um, you know, the jobs are really difficult, of course, and haven't always been paid very well. So there are a lot of issues even getting the full capacity at the psychiatric hospitals that our state does have. And again, um, some people think that even that level of beds isn't really enough. You know, now there are more referrals to get this mental health treatment. And um, as I mentioned before, there just used to be a lot more hospital beds before a kind of national movement to move away from institutionalization. But 
I guess um, some historians say it's not quite clear what took its place, um, that, you know, we've removed some of the beds from institutionalization, but um, states like Missouri haven't necessarily moved towards a community-based mental health treatment plan, or um, in Missouri, actually, they're moving towards a jail-based competency restoration. So there are several different models, and of course, it's complicated how it's all unfolded. Can you explain what that jail-based competency restoration model looks like in Missouri? Yeah, so um, competency restoration is just what they call the uh, mental health treatment that arrested individuals receive once the court deems them unfit to stand trial. Uh, So then they go into mental health treatment so that they become fit, um, like I said, often through some kind of combination of medication and, and therapy. But um, the idea here, and Missouri passed a law and funded it this legislative session, I think nine states have done similar things in the last few decades. The idea is that since we don't have enough uh, beds in the mental health hospitals, that instead the treatment should go to the jails. So it should go to where all of these people are languishing, waiting to be moved to a hospital bed. So um, I think it was $2.5 million that they funded this session for programs in for county jails in St. Louis, St. Louis County, Jackson County, Clay County, and Greene County. And um, the jail-based competency programs there, what they're planning to do is to um, provide medical care for, I think, 10 beds at each jail and pay contracted staff who work at um, local behavioral health organizations and They'll have a Department of Mental Health psychiatrists on what they call a mobile team of practitioners kind of go among um, among these jails and, you know, visit where needed. So, yeah, the plan is just to bring treatment to the jails. This session, a lot of um, a few sheriffs and other affiliates of jails testified about how difficult it was for them to have these people languishing in their care. Uh, they didn't necessarily have the right treatment or, you know, qualified staff to tend to their needs. And uh, a few of them brought up safety concerns as well. So they were, uh, many of those um, people associated with law enforcement were excited to get more support at the jails where these people are languishing now. Um, On the other hand, nationally, there's also been a little bit of pushback to this idea that jails are the best place for people with mental illnesses. Yeah. Can you say more about that? Why are people opposed to um, people getting mental health treatment inside jails? I think um, Valerie Hune, the director of the Department of Mental Health here, told Kason Bayless, a reporter at the Kansas City Star, that jails are um, can sometimes exacerbate mental health problems. So um, she's acknowledging, too, that often being in solitary confinement, where many of them are to be separated from the rest of the jail population, um, can be you know difficult for one's mental health, especially if you're already in the midst of a crisis. Um, and of course, it makes it harder for them to restore competency later if one's mental health has deteriorated even more. Um, So I know that she and other state officials have acknowledged that this can be a challenge, but I think what they're hoping is that once you bring the right personnel and um, and treatment there, that it would be better than the alternative, which is simply waiting 
Um, so I think that's important to realize too, that they're kind of making this calculation that they won't be able to open enough hospital beds to account for this population. So they're trying to bring treatment to the jails, even if it's um, a sort of suboptimal solution. Um, I know they, they also changed the law to allow for community-based treatment. Um, so we'll have to see how that unfolds, whether they um, enable more you know, community-based supports on an outpatient basis for people to be safely released and treated that way. I haven't heard a lot of discussion about that yet. The other part of the law that they changed is, of course, to allow the treatment to happen in jails. They had to you know, change state statute to allow that. But um, yeah, I think the concern is just sort of what one would imagine. Again, in um, Kaysen Bayless's story in The Star, I think he quotes a public defender saying, um, you wouldn't go to jail to seek treatment. It's not the natural place that you would um, consider ideal to get treatment. And so it can be pretty difficult for people there. But again, it's just kind of a difficult calculation that the state has had to make. That was Nomeen Ujidin talking to Clara Bates. Clara covers social services and poverty for the Missouri Independent. More of her work is at MissouriIndependent.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Madeline Fox. This podcast is produced by Paris Norvell and KCUR Studios and edited by Gabe Rosenberg. To follow Kansas and Missouri government news all week long, visit KCUR.org, the online home of Kansas City's NPR station. And don't forget to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow.